Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov to all of you listeners of this beautiful station, a station that beams only Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Divrei Taurerut, Divrei Halacha, and religious music. This is Rabbi Albas from SLC. I'm going to be talking about the parasha we read yesterday, Parashat Vayhi. In the first passage of the parasha, it says, Vayikrevu yemei Israel lamut. Yaakov Avinu was about to pass on to the next world, and then he called on his son Yosef. Yosef was the viceroy of Egypt, and he can rely on him. He told him, if I find favor in your eyes, please. He doesn't want to be buried in Mitzrayim. He wants to, his body should be taken to Eretz Israel. And he says, Vishachavtim Avotai, he wants to be buried over there, next to them. And Yosef said, I will do what you said, no problem. But it didn't stop right there. Yaakov Avinu told Yosef, I want you to swear to me. And he did. The question is, why did Yaakov make Yosef swear? That's the first question. There's something else I'm going to discuss, but why did he make him swear? Why, he doesn't trust his son, Yosef? Why? He must swear to me. Well, it turns out that it, it's not just that. There is a slight problem with taking the body from um from the, the, the body of the father of the viceroy uh, who lived in, in Egypt for 17 years and take it somewhere else and be buried somewhere else. It presents somewhat some problem. Let me explain to you. In general, it is a privilege and sometimes it is honorable for a person who was born in a certain country, lived in that country, that he wants to be buried in that country. Imagine President Ronald Reagan okay, was born here, lived here, became a president of the United States, and before he passed away, he said to his people, he wants to be buried in Paris. Now, that doesn't look right at all, especially not for a president. And here we're talking about the father of the, of the viceroy. How is he going to go to Paro and say to him, you know what? My father passed away and I want to take him somewhere else. However, if he swears to him, then it's a different situation. Because when Yosef went to Paro, he said to him, Avi Hishbiani, my father made me swear that I take his body to Eres Israel. So, when Paro said, or, uh, when he heard, Paro heard, well, this, there's a shivwa involved, there's an oath involved over here. There was no argument. He took it. But now I have a, something different that perhaps you have not uh, remarked in, this, in the parasha. When, ya, when Yaakov Avinu talks to Yosef al-Sadiq about taking his body to Eres Israel, he says to him, 
ועשית עמדי חסד ואמת. Oh, I want you to do for me חסד ואמת. What is חסד ואמת? A true act of kindness. An act of kindness is an act of kindness. Remember, true. So Rashi says, Chesed she'osim imam mitim, when you do an act of kindness to someone who passed away, that is chesed she'osim. That's a true chesed. Why? She'eno misaped etashlum gemul. Because you, 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 you don't think of getting anything back. You know, normally you do a favor to somebody. You say, like, you know, is I'm giving you a favor now. Sometime in the future, he'll give me back a favor. But someone that passed away, usually you're not going to get any favor back. You don't expect any benefit from that. So that's why it's chesed shalimit. Fine. But you know, after the Berachot, after Yaakov Avinu took every single Shevet, uh, you know, his children, and he gave each one a beracha. At the end, he says, Vaisav Otam. Now he's talking not about Yosef, he's talking about the other Shebatim. And Vayomer Alehem, he said to them, We're talking about the other 11. And among the other 11, the most important ones, of course, are the children of Leah. You know, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Hudan, so on. These are the, the most important ones. He's talking to them. And he says to them, Kibru Oti El Avotai. He says, I want you, want you to take me to the, to bury me where? Where my forefathers, El Amearat. He's telling them specifically where. That is the, the Me'arat, the cave that it, it's in Ephronahiti, the cave that Abraham Avinu bought. And he says to him, Shama Kavrut Abraham Ishto over there, they already buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife, and also Itzhak and Rivka. And he says, Kabarti et Leah, and there also I buried my, my wife Leah, which is the mother of the six Shebatim. But in this case, there is no mention of chesed shel emet. He's not saying, do me chesed shel emet. In the case of Yosef, he says, do me an act of true kindness. Here, he's not saying, when he talks to the Shevatim, he's not saying, do me a, a, a true a, a act of kindness. Why not? There is a difference. With Yosef, you see, Yosef's mother, Rachel, as he, men he mentions in the parasha, he said, well, it was in the Kiberah B'derech Ephrat, on the way to Ephrat, he didn't take her to Me'arat HaMachpelah, uh, it was Me'et Hashem, and obviously, that, that was, uh, you know, it, 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 she did not go with him, she was not buried with him in Me'arat HaMachpelah. So, he told him, do for me chesed shel emet. Because really, Yosef, in this particular case, doesn't have any benefit from this. His mother was not buried with him. But when you're talking to the other Shevatim, he doesn't have to say a true kind, a true act of kindness. Why? There's a benefit for them here. 
It's not really true act of kindness because there's something for them to benefit from. The fact that their mother, Le'an, will be buried for generations to come for the future and until to forever will be buried next to Yaakov Avinu. That is a big thing. That in itself is a benefit for them. So it may not be just a true act of kindness here, being that they are benefiting from it. <laughs> On the other hand, we also find something similar at the end of the parasha. At the end of the parasha, Yosef is telling his brothers that he also, he wants them to take his body and take it to Eres Israel. And he says, Vayashba Yosef et b'nei Israel. He, he made them swear. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to remember you, take you from this land, and take also, he wants them to take his, his, his bones with him, with them. It doesn't say anything about here, Chesed Shel Emetir. Why not? Why isn't it asking from his brothers, do me an act, a true act of Chesed? He doesn't say that. Again, over here, it may not be a true chesed shel emet. Why? Because had they not sold him, he would be in Eretz Israel the whole time. Where did they sell him from? From Shechem. So he's telling them, you know, you took me out of there. You sold me. So as a slave, you owe me something. This is like a chov, a payment of a debt. You owe me something. You took me out of there, take me back there. It's not necessarily here, again, an act of true uh, chesed. It's more like, hey, it's a repayment of a debt. That's why we, it didn't say chesed ve'emet. As long as we're talking about burial and how important it is for uh, to be, they see for the, our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Yaakov, Yosef also, the fact that they insisted on being buried in Eretz Israel, very, very important. And I want to mention a, uh, an interesting story that happened uh, 10 years ago, or 2005. And it made headlines all over the world. And the headline was the $25 million Jewish burial. What happened? Let's go back before World War II. Before World War II, somewhere in Poland, there was a Jewish couple. They got married. They had a son, a Jewish son. Then World War II comes around, the Nazis come in, they take the wife of this uh, couple we mentioned, take her to the guest chambers. She was gone. But the husband and the son survived. The husband survived because he had a neighbor, a Goya, and he went there and she, Somehow harbored him, 
and presented him to the people as her husband. Her husband. The son somehow survived and made his way to Eretz Israel, where he became a Baal Teshuvah and became a very religious young man. Now, the, the father who married this Goya, he actually married her, and they had a son. Now, the son now is a Goy. Eventually, the couple, with the son that's a Goy, they made their way to South America. In South America, this man became very successful in business, and he made a fortune. He made a fortune. Eventually, the wife, that's a Goya, who was a devout Christian, very religious Goya, she passed away. And she left a word that she wants to be buried right behind the church over there. And that's what happened. They buried her there. Now, the husband himself, who was the father of the Jewish boy in Eres Israel and the, the, uh, the nun, the Gentile boy in South America, he passed away. When he passed away, immediately they looked at his inheritance, whatever he left, the estate that he left, and they contacted the Jewish boy in Eres Israel, letting him know that the father left $50 million, 5-0, and that his share would be $25 million. This was like in 2005. You understand that? Right? We're talking about a fortune here. But it's a problem, though. The problem was the son that was a guy wanted his father to be buried next to his mother in the church, by, behind the church. He said, well, look, you know, he lived with her for 40 years or so, and she saved his life. It's only right to be there. The Jewish, the Jewish boy, no, 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 no way. He wants him to take him and bury him in Eres in Israel. There was a big problem. What do you do? You go to the judge. And judge a secular judge, obviously, a bit mishpat, a, a civil court. And the judge says, you know what? He's going to apply the judgment of Solomon. <laughs> Solomon, Shilomo, <laughs> Well, How? He says, let the body be cremated, take the ashes, and each one will take half. One will take half, take, do whatever you want with it. The other one will take the other half, do whatever you want. That's, that was the, uh, what the judge decided. Obviously, the Jewish boy didn't like that. No, he doesn't. You know, I mean, Ahmad not to be offered a burial to a Jew, that's horrible. So he offered the Gentile son, that is his brother, half-brother, who was a goy, he offered him $1 million to give up the, his right of burial. But he was not satisfied with that. He told him, you want me to give up all my rights of burial, then you give up all your rights of inheritance. 
He accepted it. What does that mean? He gave up the $25 million in order to have his father buried the Jewish way. Now, this is uh, uh, unbelievable. I don't know how many people do this. There are some rabbis that dug in, into this to see, you know, what the halakha will be. And uh, they, they, they really, there isn't much uh, uh, tissue vote that, uh, uh, that talk about this, you know. What do you do in a case like this? If it's an exorbitant amount for a buddy, uh, are you... Do you do we go along with this or not? Huh? And uh, of course, uh, even with a live person, as, as we know from Rabbi Meir of Rotenberg himself, you know when he uh, uh, he he was uh, uh, kidnapped and uh, put in a dungeon, and they asked a, uh, uh, for a, a fortune to let him go, and the uh, the Jews at that time they. They were willing to collect that kind of money, but Rabbi Meir told him no. He says, you do this, they're going to kidnap somebody else, they're going to ask you again. And he stayed there until he died. And this is a live, a live person. So whatever this young man did is definitely uh, uh, nowhere less than admirable. It was a, a very, very great thing that, that he did. This was made the headlines. So the, um, uh, the, the, the idea of, of being buried is a privilege. It is something that we see our abode, like with Sarai Menu and so on. Unfortunately, it's unbelievable how the statistics are showing that in the New York City metropolitan area, perhaps as much as 25% of people are being cremated, unfortunately. We have to be extremely careful about this, regardless of what, regardless of the cost. Burial is a privilege, and it's a halakha, and we have to accept it that way. At any rate, there's another thing that I would like to discuss, and this has to do with Yaakov Avinu and the Beracha that he gave to the children. He gave the two children of Menashe and Ephraim, he gave them a Beracha, Hamalacha, Goelotim, Ekorai, Barechitani Arim, and so on and so forth. And of course, when they came next to him, he put Menashe on the right and Ephraim on the left. That's the way it should be. Menashe was the Bechor. But then when he extended his hands, instead of extending his hands straight and put the right hand on Menashe, who was on his right, he, he sort of, he crossed his hands, his arms, and he put his right hand on, uh, on the head of Ephraim. Yosef, a Sadiq, objected. But he didn't listen to him. Now, he gave him a beracha. And then a few pesukim later, again it says, and vayibarechem again. And he said the following, Bechai barech Yisrael nemor yesimcha Elohim 
כאפרים וכמנשה. Every single father in the future, when he blesses his children, his sons, he should say that may Hashem make you like Ephraim and Menashe. That's, what's the idea behind this? Why Ephraim and Menashe? Now, Ephraim and Menashe were grandchildren, right? Yaakov had many grandchildren. So why didn't he say like Bela Avabecher, the two, the two children of Binyamin? Or like Yimna Vishva, the two children of Asher. No, he didn't say that. Only talking about Binya, Minasheh Ephraim. Why? Well, we can give a, a simple answer by saying, well, after all, we have here two very great children. Uh, Minasheh, they were both princes, but Minasheh was uh, uh, the diplomat, the one that was helping his father all the time. Uh, extremely, of course, uh, powerful and wealthy and uh, uh, the, uh, royalty. Uh, Ephraim was a scholar, always with his grandfather, learning Torah. So in essence, what we are saying to our children is, we would like you to have, uh, uh, to be Tamid Hakam. At the same time, we want you to be wealthy, like uh, Menashe. What's, that's a beautiful beracha, right? You have, you have, uh, you'll be talmid hacham and a good parnasa, beautiful. That's a pashut pshat, but there is something more than that. There's something more than that, something more fundamental. And what is that? Let me explain to you. The Mishnah Pirkei Avot it says that there are three bad midot. A bad and evil midah. It's like an, a, an immoral or an unethical behavior. A vice. Okay? That's a bad midah. One of them is kin'ah. Jealousy. Jealousy creates quarrel and strife and friction and disunity between the people. And not only that, it may cause killing and murder. Sefer Bereshit has many, many cases of jealousy. At the very beginning, when Hashem created the world and He created the sun and the moon and they both had the same amount of light at the beginning and the moon says to Hashem, wait a minute, you can't have two kings that are going to have the same, the one you can't have one crown for two kings, you know. There'll be only one. So, you're jealous of the sun? Me'atit atzmech. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told the moon, okay, your light will be less. Make it very, very small compared to the sun. That was the first case of jealousy. And of course, you have uh, with Adam Arishon, the Nachar, the snake, he was jealous of Adam Chava. And what caused after that? <laughs> the Mavet came into the world. The sin. And of course, the famous case of Cain and Hebe. They both brought the Korvan 
a sacrifice to Hashem. Hashem accepted Hevels. He did not accept Cain. What happened after that? Murder. Yes. Yes, Rabotai. Jealousy can cause murder. We see jealousy by Esav and Yaakov. Esav also said, oh, when his father will pass away, he would kill his brother. Jealousy is one of the worst, if not the worst, midot in the world. Yosef and his brothers. <laughs> the brothers wanted to kill him. They were jealous of him. They wanted to kill him. If not for Reuven, okay, throw him into the, into the pit. But you see, Rabotai, jealousy is a midara, meod, very bad. And you see, jealousy will create disunity. And there won't be any shalom. There won't be any peace. And you know, Rabotai, if there is no peace, there's no life. If you look into Parashat Bechokotai, where it says, Im Bechokotai Telechu, if you follow my statutes and do the mitzvot, and Hashem says, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you rains, I'm going to give you that, everything will be fine. You have plenty of Parnassah, plenty of... But then, towards the end, it says, Venatati shalom ba'aretz. I will give peace in the land. Oh, wait a minute. Peace is not uh, something material. We're talking about rewards that Hashem is going to give, right? What's the peace there? Rashi says, you can have all the money in the world, all the wealth in the world, all the pros prosperity in the world. If you don't have shalom, you cannot enjoy it. If there's strife and discord between people, you can't enjoy it. No way. That's the idea behind this. Jealousy will create that kind of disunity among people. Now, when we say, Becha Ivarech Elokim, Isimcha Elokim Kefraim what we mean by that is not only the panasan and the scholarship, but also just like Menashe, who was the Bechor, and Yaakov Avinu should have put his right hand on him. Instead, he put on Ephraim. Menashe did not say a word, didn't say anything. He accepted it. He was not jealous of his brother. And that's why we are telling our kids. We hope that it should be like them. There should be no jealousy between brothers ever. There should never be any jealousy between you. And that's a beautiful beracha. Because if there's no jealousy and there's shalom, and there's peace, and there's unity, and there's love, ahabat hinam, between people, between us, then that will hasten the coming of Mashiach Sitkenu. Amen. Ken Yeratzon. Rabotai, I want to mention again that this beautiful station uh, lives only on contributions of you people. And as much as you can afford, please help them. They need help. Also, 
uh, I don't know if you know about this, that uh, our social hall has been renovated completely from top to bottom. It's really stunning right now. And we have been accepting already reservations for uh, bookings for, for weddings, for bar mitzvah, brit milah, whatever, any happy occasion. Uh, if you come to see it, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And uh, we've been accepting, Baruch Hashem, we've had quite a bit of bookings, but I'm sure if you have any simha, you contact us, we'll be able to accommodate you. Shavua Tov, Tiskul HaMitzvot.